the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, July the 20th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On July 20, 1969, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, they became the first men to walk on the moon. Today in 1917, Americans... World War I draft lottery began. A lot of anxious 18, 19-year-olds around the country. Today in 1944, an attempt by a group of German officials to assassinate Adolf Hitler uh, with a bomb did not succeed. It failed. The explosion wounded the Nazi leader, Hitler, but did not kill him. And today in 1944... President Franklin D. Roosevelt was nominated for a fourth term of office at the Democrat Convention in Chicago. Today, in 1993, White House Deputy Counsel Vincent Foster Jr., he was 48 years old, he was found shot to death in a park near Washington, D.C. His death was ruled a suicide. But many people, perhaps most people, who were close to the situation They did not believe it was suicide. They believed someone had killed him. He was very, very close, and he was deeply entwined into the dealings of the Clintons. Many thought he knew too much. I don't know, but I remember the incident very well. Today in 2013, longtime White House correspondent Helen Thomas, if you watch any of that on television... You will remember in the past, Helen Thomas was always kind of seated on the front row in the middle, and she always gave the presidents a bad time. She was kind of known for that. She was 92 years old. And today in 2015, the United States and Cuba restored full diplomatic relations after more than 50 years of frosty relations. Most of it had to do with the, uh, well, there were a lot of issues, but a lot of it had to do with the, uh, the Cold War. I mentioned yesterday that the Democrat House of Representatives were pushing forward a bill that they called uh, Respect for Marriage. Better, I would, th- I would call it a disrespect for marriage. But the Respect for Marriage Act, they put that up for a vote yesterday. I said yesterday morning they were going to do that. I said it would probably pass. It did. It was kind of a bipartisan vote, though, and that surprised me because there were 47 Republicans who joined the Democrats to vote for this bill. And what it is, it's a move to enshrine same-sex marriage into the Constitution so that it can't be uh, reversed by people like Clarence Thomas. They're particularly focused on him right now. But that's what the the whole move is about. And it's not completely surprising that it passed because the Democrats have have the majority in the House. But the thing that surprised me the most was 47 Republicans joined with the Democrats to vote for the bill. And um, 
I, I, I knew some would. 47 surprised me. Representative Dan Newhouse from Sunnyside, the 4th District in Washington, he voted with the Democrats. He voted for homosexual marriage. Representative Simpson in Idaho, I, I saw there, he voted also with the Democrats for affirming homosexual marriage. I'm not sure how these guys get to this point and yet identify with the Republican Party because the platform of the Republican Party is very contrary to the way they vote on these issues. And there were others, but I noticed these two. I was looking down the list and the total list. I didn't see an isolated one of Republicans. I'm sure there is one out there today or it will be. But I was, it's disappointing when they can't even stand up for the most fundamental, the most fundamental cornerstone of society, marriage between a man and a woman. It's been that way for thousands of years. For 5,000 years, marriage was considered to be the relationship between a man and a woman that produced kids and built a family unit. I don't know. You people in Sunnyside in the fourth, you better rethink that, what you're doing. I mean, does he represent? I grew up not far from there, born and raised. But do, do you, I mean, does that really represent who you are in that district? I hope not. I really do. Anyway, that's what happened. The assault on family and marriage continues by the left with assistance from some who claim to be on the right. Republican. Perhaps they're only Republican in name only. I noticed that left-wing billionaire George Soros donated a million dollars to the political campaign of that Beto O'Rourke. Remember him? He ran for president. He's run for everything. He ran against Ted Cruz. He he tried to unseat him, and the the media tried to help him, of course. Uh, Well, he's running for Texas uh, governor now. He's running against the, um, the Republican governor, Greg Abbott, who is an excellent uh, governor from everything I can see. I mean, he's a good guy and he's smart and he's doing all the right things. I don't see how this guy, this Beto O'Rourke can, can beat him, but George Soros put in a million dollar check to help out. Abbott is headed uh, ahead in the polls uh, for his third term. He's, I think I saw yesterday somewhere he's about eight points ahead. I think now those polls change, you know, daily, in fact, hourly sometimes. But I think I saw he was ahead by eight or ten points. It surprised me. I thought he might be further ahead in the polls than that. But as I say, they fluctuate. But um Beto O'Rourke has been raising a lot of money as well. I mean, the left really wants to take over Texas. And um, the in a financial report from late in February to June, O'Rourke uh, had taken in $27.6 million. And uh, that's $2.7 million more than the Abbott campaign had taken in during that time. And again, things ebb and flow. That doesn't mean anything. Abbott has a lot of money in the bank uh, that he'll flush out in advertising as it gets closer to the election. He has, I think, I, I believe I read it was $45.7 million, and I think O'Rourke has $23.9 million. But the thing that caught my attention, and I just mentioned it in passing, is that George Soros wrote a million-dollar check to help 
him, and he's doing that. Soros is doing that all over the country. Beto O'Rourke is everything. I think the majority of people in Texas, and certainly many, if not most, hopefully most Americans, don't believe in. He does not represent what America is about, and he hopefully doesn't represent what the Texas people are about. But I will tell you, it costs money to do anything, whether you're running for political office or whether you are wanting to be a sustained voice in a very noisy and confused and convoluted culture. I want to thank all of you who support this ministry. Without you, I wouldn't be here. And I believe that God wants me to be here or I wouldn't do this. I feel it very strongly and I want to just thank you for your support. It is so meaningful to me. It is so meaningful in my heart, not just like this is something I enjoy doing. I do because I have a real strong sense that God has called me to do this at this point in my life. And you are allowing that to happen with your support. God knows and he sees that. And I have believed all my life that God blesses those who bless him. I truly, truly believe that. So I want to thank you, and I pray that God will bless you in ways that I could not do, even though I would like to. Those of you who listen and agree with what we're doing, but have not supported us, would you prayerfully consider becoming a contributor, a supporter of this ministry? We need you. I need you. So thank you for giving that some thought. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go online on our website, faithandfreedom.us, and you can contribute online. And more and more people are doing that, I notice. And uh, thank you again so much. I don't know if you've heard the term deconstructing my faith or our faith or faith deconstruction. That's gone from a hashtag on the social media to a whole movement. Books are being written, conventions are being held, conferences, seminars about how to deconstruct your faith. It's particularly directed toward evangelical Christians or biblical Christians. Lifeway Research is a Christian resource uh, research organization. They've been doing this for quite a long time. They're, uh, I think, loosely affiliated with the Southern Baptist movement. Uh, maybe they were owned by the Southern Baptists. I don't think they are now. I'm not sure about that. But that's kind of where they're coming from, their perspective. And they published a survey this week that finds that three in four pastors, 73% of the pastors in the country, say they are aware of this deconstruction movement. But they tend to not know a whole lot about what's going on there. I understand pastors are busy. I was a pastor. And you never get done. You just keep doing what you're doing because you're always busy. And it doesn't. It seems like it doesn't matter whether you have a small church or one with thousands of people. It's just, it's always, there's just always more to do. So maybe it's that matter. Maybe they don't, haven't put that on a priority. I don't know. But more than a quarter, 27% of those who say, uh, pastors who say they're aware of it, say that their churches, they don't seem to see it in their churches, particularly the smaller churches. But some of the larger churches say that as well. They, the pastors say, well, I don't see any evidence of that that's happening in my church. 
But the point is that deconstruction is the heading that's most recently applied to this process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of the Christian faith. And I think one of the reasons that pastors aren't seeing this, and I'm thinking from a pastor's perspective, that is the reason they're not seeing this is because it's mostly happening outside the church and people sitting in the pew apparently, from what I could gather, are not um, talking a lot about it in church. Some are, but they're far left uh, churches. But evangelical churches is where this is penetrating, and it's really impacting a lot of people. And Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. But LifeWay Research has done an in-depth survey, and it reveals the breakout in various churches and the church groups and the awareness levels and so on. I think they put this out. I don't know this, but I think they put this out to sort of get pastors' attention. I know there are pastors that listen to this program. In fact, there are some that support it financially, support this this program, and I appreciate that. But as I said, they found that churches with congregations of 50 or less are experiencing are not experiencing deconstruction all that much or at all. But despite the growing awareness among pastors, it's much easier to see people in the midst of this deconstructing on social media. And social media is massive, as you know. <clears throat> so I want to talk about that. The movement, it's very deceptive because people with honest spiritual questions, theological questions, should be able to ask them in the context of their church or in the Christian community among other Christians, Christian leaders, speakers, etc. Yet the deconstruction movement is, for the most part, an attack on the biblical church and on the most important tenets of the Christian faith. A fundamental belief in Christianity is that of a man's limited understanding compared to God's unlimited understanding. They skip that part. They, it's very humanistic, in its drive, but it presents itself as becoming a more enlightened Christian, a progressive Christian. I've often said on this program, how can these people vote? Well, like Newhouse, I mean, how does he do this? How does he vote for with on this disrespect marriage act? I mean, how, how does he vote that way? I don't know. I know what drives him, but this is part of that. I'm not suggesting that he's deconstructing his faith or whatever. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't think I've ever met him. But maybe, but I don't remember. But anyway, I've often said, what are these people thinking out there? They claim to be evangelical Christians. They identify themselves as evangelical Christians, and yet they're for gay marriage. They're for abortion. They're for all these things, and they do so with a almost a sense of of greater enlightenment than some of their other fellow Christians. That's this is at the heart of that this deconstruction movement. It claims to explore the deepest, most important questions of Christianity, but its real motivation as a movement is not to understand, but to undermine. Again, that's why we're talking about it this morning. Scripture commands us to scrutinize our faith by fact-checking. Read Acts chapter 17, verse 11. But in practice, the deconstruction movement is almost always a demolition derby. It's replacing uncomfortable biblical tenets of faith with culturally or personally popular ideas. Does this begin to sound familiar? Such 
like affirming LGBTQ agenda is expressing God's love. Same-sex marriage is equal to traditional biblical marriage between a man and a woman because they're born that way. I mean, would God cause them to be born that way if he didn't love them and want them to also be treated equally? And on and on it goes. Abortion is a way of celebrating life by one's freedom to choose. I talked about that in this pastor, I think it was yesterday on this program. There's an excuse or a there's a another look from a different angle on every basic fundamental truth in the Bible. So as people go through these situations in their life, whatever, and they begin to question, you know, why is God allowing this to happen or whatever? They are sucked into this deconstruction movement, and it, it's big. It's organized now. I mean, there, as I said, there's books being written. There's articles out there. There are seminars. There are people on, I mean, it's pretty massive on the Internet now. But the point of deconstructive analysis is to restructure or displace the opposition, not simply reverse it. And that's done. This is an old practice. It isn't new, the practice, but it's new in that it's directed at the heart of the evangelical church and the evangelical movement. Progressives, religious and secular, they're big on ideas and theories, but they're always short on understanding beliefs and theories create actions and actions create consequences. And they leave a, a wake of destruction behind them. And that's the sad part of it, the, the saddest of all, is that people lose out with God. Alyssa Childers is a pretty well-known. I've mentioned her at least once, I remember, on this program some, I don't know, month or two ago. I talked a little bit about her, but she's written a book. It's titled Another Gospel. And she tells her story in that book, and it's very compelling. And uh, Lee Strobel, whom you know, he's written a number of books, A Case for Christ and so on. Lee Strobel wrote the foreword to that book, which gives it a lot of credibility. And she's pretty well known, and she's on the mark as far as biblical teaching and so on from everything I've heard out of her. But she talks about how she got sucked into that movement. She grew up in church, an evangelical church. And um, she talks about her personal journey in this book. And it's a journey to rediscover her Bible-based Christian faith and what she learned along the way. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the things she says in that book, because I haven't walked down this road. I haven't tried to deconstruct my faith. I just haven't been there as a person. Some pastors are. I have not been there, thankfully, to the grace of God. But again, I don't know how pastors can can seek God and follow God and preach the gospel from the pulpit and then fall into this deconstruction thing. I mean, it's unbelievable to me, but I'm a simple man. Anyway, she says in her book, she says, many years ago, my Christian beliefs were challenged intellectually by a progressive Christian pastor. It threw me into a deconstruction that took several years to fully come out of. I found out later that he himself had already deconstructed and had hoped to propel his congregation into deconstruction so he could convert them to progressive Christianity. He was very good at it. In fact, he was almost totally successful. A few of us came back around to historically Christian understanding of the gospel. 
but most of us did not. Because of this, when deconstruction stories started popping up in my social media newsfeed, she says, along with hashtags like hashtag exevangelical or hashtag deconstruction, she said, I paid attention. I've been following along, seeking to understand what people mean by those words. She says, I witnessed a hashtag turn into a movement. She says, and this was back in, in earlier this year, in February, she, she wrote this excerpt from her book. She said there were, today, there are 293,026 posts on Instagram utilizing the hashtag, hashtag deconstruction. The vast majority are from people who've deconverted from Christianity, become progressive Christians, embraced same-sex marriage and relationships, rejected core historic doctrines of the faith, or are in a, on a mission to crush the white Christian patriarchy. There are a few photos of deconstructed clothing. She said they even have t-shirts and hats now that talk about deconstruction and so on. She said there's a plethora of insults, mockery, and anger hurled at the church. She said there's memes on there. That was this day that she was looking at Instagram and seeing 293,026 posts on this subject on that given day. She says she saw these these statements, these memes on, on, on Instagram. One of them said, I regret saving myself for marriage. She said another one said, good morning. It's a great day to leave your non-affirming church. Online, there are countless deconstruction therapy and counseling sites, she said, which will facilitate your deconstruction and reconstruct you with mindfulness of contemplating practices of progressive Christian favorites like Richard Rohr. He's one of the leaders in this movement. Stay away from him. Don't believe him. There are conferences you can attend, one for which I personally paid good money, she said, now to research for her book. And she said it taught how to break free from toxic religion, reject Christian dogma, and learn to embrace what basically added up to warmed-over Buddhism. Phil Drysdale is one of the deconstructed Christian leaders. He's a researcher. He's writing all the time, and people follow him like he's anointed or something. It's pretty sad. This is not. I'm not quoting her. But a quick scroll she said, reveals that the leaders and guides the vast majority are looking into accounts and people like Elisa Gungor, Audrey Assad, God is Gray, that's one of the leaders, Jesus Unfollower, your favorite heretics, this Joe Lumen, the Naked Pastor, and a whole bunch of other names like that. I mean, it's weird, but thousands of people are getting sucked into this. Alyssa says, in the context of faith, deconstruction is the process of systematically dissecting, often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. Sometimes the Christian will deconstruct all the way into atheism. Some remain there, but others experience a reconstruction. But the type of faith, she says, that once a, these people have been immersed in this is demonic. She says, once people have been immersed in this, she said, they, even if they come back to a faith, it's a progressive uh, it's laced with, with progressivism and relativism. Uh, it's not a faith based on Bible teaching. And so they claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, but they deny the very power of it all, the power of God, through his word, his infallible, inerrant word. 
it can be very confusing to someone who isn't informed. That's why I talk about all the time, be informed. I'm not saying we're the only source of information, but we do our best, and we do that every day, weekday on this program. But be informed. Know what's going on. Do not allow yourself to fall into this this. It's kind of a kind of a pit of saying, well, man, I just can't take anymore. All this stuff going on out there. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the news. I don't want to hear about Nancy Pelosi. Turn it off. Zip it up. Close the door. I just want some peace. Well, that sounds good, and we all need peace. But, man, we don't want to disassociate ourselves from the culture because how can we become the light and salt that God has called us to be, that Jesus said we are in the culture if we don't even know what's going on? And perhaps equally as important as doing God's will in our life is that we ourselves must take care not to get caught up and pulled into this kind of thinking. You think, well, I never would. Well, I've talked to, as a pastor, I've talked to a lot of people who thought they never would either. And they've gotten pulled into some cults and one thing or another that isn't biblical, it's anti-biblical. Well, this is the newest thing out there, and that's, again, why we're talking about it today. This Melissa Stewart, she's a former Christian. She's now an agnostic. Melissa Stewart is her name. She's an atheist. She has a TikTok following of on the TikTok platform of over 200,000. She describes how lonely and isolated she felt during her deconstruction and how discovering the hashtag ex-evangelical hashtag opened up a whole new world of voices who related what she was going through. Her TikTok platform gives her now the opportunity to share this with others, and that's why this is expanding exponentially, because it's mostly on the social media, but it's to people who are sitting in the pews of churches, even though it isn't mostly coming from pulpits and churches. It is in some cases. Childers says, my biggest experiences were with people talking about what they went through, their stories. It was very personal. It focused on human beings who have come out of this rather than on whether a certain kind of theology is right or wrong. You will find that every cult, that every anti-biblical belief system that's out there that people are pushing, ultimately is me-centered. It's about how I feel. It's not about how God feels. It's about what I said, what I want to say, what I have a right to say, not what God said. It's always humanistic at the heart. Every cult, every false doctrine. She says, Childers says, from my experience studying this movement, I think she hits the nail on the head. Deconstruction is not about getting your theology right. The word itself is built on postmodernism. It carries the baggage of moral relativism. It's exactly what it does. You deconstruct, you look at all these beliefs, you say, man, it's really uncomfortable to kind of stand for marriage is only between a man and a woman. I mean, this gay movement, I might get fired at my job, and on and on. And so we fall into the ways of the world, not the ways of the kingdom of God. And this is very deceptive. There's much, much more I could say about it, but we don't have the time to go into it. But I'll tell you, deconstruction has taken on a life of its own. So beware, be informed, be careful, stay close to the word of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Just keep your eyes on the Lord and your eyes on God's Word, the Bible, and you're going to be fine. Just don't be sucked in to the ways of the world. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.